from Monday, May 4th, 2009. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 44, Where's the Beef? Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Overthinking It podcast. You found the podcast of the website that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Sometimes it does, though, but for our intents and purposes, we are, in fact, subjecting popular culture to scrutiny that, well, we do it anyway because it's because we just feel like it, okay? So, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lee. Matt Rather is lurking on this call somewhere, but he has graciously allowed me to, you know, taste the, the sweet nectar of power, at least for one evening. That's not totally fair. I actually begged you. Yeah, well, to taste the sweet nectar, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a little girl, I got down on my knees in front of you and begged, you please to taste the sweet nectar. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Okay, tag, tag. <laughs> we, got a, we got a great show for you uh, as always, um, and not to hype it up too much, but there's been a long feuding uh, pro Kanye, anti Kanye West feud on this blog between two rival writers, namely Ryan Sheely. In the pro Kanye column and John yeah, Kanye in the anti walks and the anti sky <laughs> and and John Parrish in the anti Kanye column. What, uh, what? So you'll you'll get a, a, a plenty of that as well as some quality overthinking it on hip hop in a moment. But first, let's kick things off with our introducing the panel question. And the question is coming from the big political news of this week: Why Arlen Specter changed parties? That is from the Dixiecrat Party to the Party of Know Nothing Prohibitionists. That is the part of change, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. In alphabetical order, first up is from Cambridge, Massachusetts, Mr. Peter Frenzel. Peter Frenzel, why did our inspector change parties? Did we lose Pete? Looks like we lost Pete. Moving next along, he can jump back in when he gets back in. Next in alphabetical order, if I know my alphabet correctly, that is P for Parrish. John Parrish, also from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Why did Arlen Specter change parties? Uh, Arlen Specter changed parties because uh, the Democrats' cafeteria in the basement of Congress is just nicer, and everyone knows that. Does that does that does that come from? Um, did they did they did they acquire the nicer cafeteria when they became the majority party? Or uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a changeover of power thing, really. I mean, they. It's very sad, like you know, on the on the the day everyone's sworn in, you know, there's the sort of like you know last last day and there's like this little this little sheet cake from the you know from the local a and p and they've got these candles on it but no one and there's like lukewarm soda but no one really cares it sounds like an office birthday party as well yeah very much very much like that uh the trappings of power people that's that's what it's about <laughs> okay so that that, uh, that sounds like pete fenzel's come back so john parrot says it's the food pete fenzel you missed your opportunity earlier but you're coming back in from cambridge massachusetts why did our inspector change parties well, I think it, clearly it's a glitch in the matrix. Uh, <laughs> clearly, the first time we saw our inspector, he was a Republican, and now he's a Democrat, and that's proof that our existence is really the machination of a e- malevolent robot intelligence that's controlling all of our <laughs> both our political system and our subjective uh, fields of vision and experience. I mean, I think it's incontrovertible. I don't see how you can make an argument against that. <laughs> I have always been proponent of evil artificial intelligences. Uh, the theory of evil artificial intelligences running our daily lives. That's, I've, that's been my consistent record. So, so you're a Democrat? Is that how it works? I'm a, ah. I'm a, I'm a, sky, I'm a Skynetocrat. 
<laughs> That's yeah, that, was, my that was the benefit of our Republican readers who are always mad at me for being so much <laughs> for baiting for political baiting them. Exactly, exactly. So okay, see, look, there's another glitch in the Matrix for you right there. Glitch after glitch. I'm going to start doing jump kicks pretty soon. Great. <laughs> I look forward to that. I know I'm, kung I, fu. Show me. <laughs> okay, next in alphabetical order from New York City, Mr. Ryan Sheely. Why did our inspector change parties? Because that's where the party at, and the girl's on the way with the Bacardi at. Uh oh, 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 uh oh. No, Nelly, Jagged Edge, because it's where the party's at. Let me hear you say. Uh oh. Are we going to have a pro a pro Nelly anti Nelly feud before we get to the pro Kanye? No, I think we're probably all on the same side of that debate. Yeah, I've I've murdered every overthinking it writer who doesn't love Nelly. There's no one left to speak against him. No one left. Nelly. How can you stop? How can you stop a man who knows how to change clothes? Based on the weather and or the day and the night and the relative fanciness of things. So. You, you, <laughs> you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. Never mind. No, nobody here listens no, to Nelly. Sweating and suiting. Exactly. You. Sweating and suiting are very different activities. And only Nelly had the courage to express the necessity of changing clothes in different circumstances. Out of all rappers, no one has ever addressed that subject matter before. So. Oh, oh, panel's oh, quickly being split no. into the. Uh, into the Just don't confuse oh with e i e i oh they're very different songs. Yeah. <laughs> no, and they they mean very different things too. And oh, that's different. Never mind. <laughs> you know, we know what feud we are going to have here. We're going to have the the the, the feud between the, the 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 side of the podcast that um, is getting all these hip hop references and the side that is not. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Um, keeping on totally hip hop reference. In alphabetical order with our introductory question, Mr. Matthew Rather from New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, no, I don't know how to answer these questions. I, I'm usually the one asking the questions. How does it feel? The tables have been turned. <laughs> ah, ah, the tables have been turned. Yes, my, my lord and master, my elder and better, Mr. Mark Lee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he switched parties uh, because a specter is haunting the Democrats, the specter of Arlen. All the powers of old Republicans have entered into a holy alliance to exercise this specter. Uh, McCain and Bush, Metternich and Guizot, French radicals and German police spies. Where is, against where is the party in opposition that has not been decried as Arlenistic by its opponents in power? Where is the opposition that has not hurled back the branding reproach of Arlenism against the more advanced opposition parties as well as against its reactionary adversaries? Two things result from this fact. One, Arlenism is already acknowledged by all Republican powers to be itself a power. Two, it is high time that Arlenists should openly, in the face of the whole world, publish their views, their aims, their tendencies, and meet this nursery tale of the specter of Arlenism with a manifesto of the Democratic Party itself. What I, uh, the F were you talking That was a little mad lib from the first four paragraphs of the Communist Manifesto. Yeah, yeah I figured, yeah, definitely. Metternich yeah, was, was really what I was going to say, thank you. 
think it's giving the, the folks at National Review and, and Town Hall fuel for their Democrats equal socialist uh, theories. Because uh, that just kind of put it all out there. <laughs> that was Featuring the- Metternich. Featuring Talleyrand. Featuring <laughs> Ghostface Killer. Henrik <laughs> <laughs> the Chef. You got it here. Wow. Okay. Who so, shot you with a blunderbuss? I can tell that the panel is just dying to really sink their teeth into this into this subject of hip hop, which we have laid out before. No, I'm just us. dying to make hip hop references about other topics. Yeah, that's that too clearly going on. But before we do that, let me just very quickly. Um, let me just very quickly answer the question because, and it's in the spirit of oh, good you know, thinking, me- yeah. No, you're a much more democratic leader than I am. That's why you're more popular. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, the answer to um, the my answer to the to the, to the question why Arlen Specter uh, left the Republican Party and now has joined the Democratic Party is clearly because he's a terrorist. Am I right or am I right? Okay, we, we just we just gained back all the leadership so, we just lost. Right so would there, you right? say that he's in the business of terror, Mark? <laughs> yeah. Does he have a handful? You, yeah, if so, grab an umbrella, Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, for, yeah, we need to have like an annotated. Ella, we need to have a Ella, we need to have a director's a, commentary a, for this podcast, a. which explains all the hip hop references that most people probably aren't getting. Hey, hey, Mark. Yes, Fenzel. Can we do listener feedback? I want to do listener feedback. <laughs> sure, Fenzel. We can do that. I don't know no why you're so... No one is at all telling me to tell you to tell you to do this. I'm yeah. totally coming up with this off the cuff. I was asking. No one is it was a question. Yet. I was typing in <laughs> with a question mark in the back channel chat. The uh, the answer may be no. You know? Oh, okay. Okay. Listener feedback. Let's get this podcast <laughs> under control, people, because okay. because the hip hop thing is going to fly off the handle, and we're just it's never going to get back to it if we don't do it now. Cool. The, um, <laughs> I just want to I want to give a little shout out to Dave from the Cheap and Dirty podcast, which is at uh, cheapanddirty.wordpress.com. Uh, and thanks for writing in. And hey, Dave, thanks for promoting us on your podcast, and thanks for your kind words about the uh, about the show, uh, Alex. Uh, from Iowa, who goes by the clever internet pseudonym Atomic Red, writes in to say, I'd just like to say I love the podcast. It's entertaining and intelligent. Thanks, Alex. Two things we tried to be, or excuse me, Red, Atomic Red, two things we tried to be. Uh, one thing I would like you to discuss is the cliche of the chosen one. And, uh, and he says thanks. And if you want to find him on the internet, just Google Atomic Red. Uh, the cliche of the chosen one, or the okay, let's put that in the hopper and think about it. And from uh, Megan from Lombard, we got Alex from Iowa, Matt, uh, Mike from LA. Was it Mike from LA from before? Yeah, Mike from and LA. now Megan from Lombard uh, says, "Love the podcast and your unique, unique brand of humor, as well as the way you guys tackle the popular culture." Thank you, Megan from Lombard, for using the definite article in front of uh, popular culture. That's a <laughs> little bugaboo of mine. Uh, I have a few questions <laughs> for the panel. Do any of you watch NBC's Chuck? Shall we answer that now? Because my answer is no. Yeah, mine's no. I can answer no. No. <laughs> I've been told I, I've been told I look like Chuck, but no. <laughs> no, and neither you know do who I. Likes, so you know who uh, watches Chuck? Schechner watches Chuck, I think. Uh, well, we should get so, Schechner on to talk about it because um, Megan wants to know our thoughts about the uh, season finale, which could be the series finale because this is one of these shows that's on the bubble and may not get uh, may not get renewed. 
Yeah, that's right. There was some some uh, like grassroots effort to try and save Chuck on the internet. I I don't know what the specifics of it were, but I remember seeing blog comments and such about it. Yeah, there was a Twitter. There was a Twitter hashtag, a Save Chuck hashtag, and I was disappointed because I was looking for uh, Gossip Girl twittering, and I got all this Chuck twittering instead. And I was really, <laughs> really upset. At, actually, at the Save Chuck contingent for <laughs> for muddling up my my Twitter search for your tweet deck for like messing my up tweet your tweet deck. deck. Uh, exactly. So I guess we don't know, Megan. We'll see if we can get Shackner on that. And she also says, and what do you guys think of Weird Al and his parodies of popular songs? Oh, man. That's man, a whole, that's a- yeah, that's a whole oh, thing. Yeah. We're not going to get into that now. But suffice it to we say... Could. It's not unrelated to the hip-hop topic. Well, if I, it, mean- <laughs> I mean, if it comes up. But we were talking about it. And actually, having you here, Ryan, would not be the worst thing. Because you and I were talking about Jonathan Colton and about mm-hmm. novelty music. Right? Sure. Yeah, and so no, that- we we did. I don't really listen to him very much. Um, I listened to it when it was novel. Um, <laughs> you are a snob. You mean, like back back in the twenties, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, in, in internet time, might as well have been. So we have, uh, so thanks everyone, Alex from Iowa, Megan from Lombard, and hey, Mike from LA, hope you're still listening. Great to have you. And Dave from the Cheap and, Dirty, Cheap and Dirty Podcast. We're really, uh, we're really glad uh, that you all listen, and we're glad that you all contact us. If, uh, if you, our listeners, have anything to say, you can email podcast at overthinkingit.com or call the voicemail at 20 eat log zero one. that's 203 285-6401. They're always trying to catch me cheap and dirty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt, hey, Matt, real quick. Yeah. I just wanted to say that the topic of the chosen one, I'm glad that our listener mentioned it. It's going to be the subject of one of the entries in my Fenzel on Dragon Ball series, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks. So I'll be writing a little bit about that. And any other writers who want to put in their own uh, take on that subject matter, too, I feel like you know determinism and destiny in, in fiction, in popular fiction, is uh, right now is, is definitely an interesting uh and I say fiction, I mean like movies and not like – because people watch that stuff. They don't read books anymore. Well, it is – I mean it is, it's a topic that we could come back to because it is that kind of like profit, uh, yeah. you know, sort of savior, Neo, the one. Uh, yeah. That whole – that whole thing. Yeah, it's really uh, – it's a um, – or the guy at the end of uh, – at the end of Pearl Harbor who gets – I think he gets shot, but he's, you know, crucified Jesus style, right? In that Michael Bay shot at the end of that brilliant, brilliant film, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> you remember? Pearl Harbor. I remember. I, I, I never I forget. I never forget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really, it's you know, it's a whole thing. We may, we may come back to it later. Anyway, bottom line, we love all of our, uh, we love all of our listeners. Uh, so thanks very much. And thanks, Mark, for letting me jump in there with that. Yeah, that that that's cool. Rather, you just take over the podcast anytime. All right. So the next topic. Okay. No, I'm go- I'm going on. I'm going on mute now. I have a little risotto in the kitchen. I gotta go stir. Wow. We take second place to leftover risotto. Well, risotto is the official uh, meal of people who are cutting out on the overthinking of <laughs> No, I'm not cutting out. I'm listening. I will just say, though, that uh, I have a copy of Backstage Magazine, the magazine about the acting business, and on the cover of the April 23rd to 29th issue of Backstage is uh, Overthinking It Muse, Tilda Swinton. Ooh. 
That's the that's the White Witch from Narnia, as well as the Angel Gabriel from Constantine. <laughs> and she won an Oscar for another movie that didn't have crazy CGI effects in it or yeah. icebergs. Till the, till this one, everybody. All right. Okay. So farewell, rather. <laughs> I guess he's going through, going through his risotto. And just to be very clear here, um, I too love the listeners very much, and I'm glad that Rather came in to uh, you know to bring back the the feedback which he collected, which he harvested from the you know we spent many hours on the internet harvesting this feedback, um, and now it is with us, and now it is on the air. And now you have heard it. Okay, now, good, good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Are we so, done now? Do we, are we done with this podcast yet? Yeah, the yeah, podcast exists to acknowledge the listener feedback, right? <laughs> we're, we've done our duty and when we're out. What was there some sort of larger topic you wanted to discuss here? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps. <laughs> no, so we have a we have a we have a pro Kanye anti Kanye uh, rival hip hop camp throwdown coming up. The main but, events. Um, un- until then, so uh, let me just uh, let me just. <laughs> Let me just just explain why, kind of, why we are devoting um, most of this episode of this podcast episode to the subject of hip hop, Um, which basically is that um, it kind of, you know, just coincidentally came together in a series of three posts that came up on the blog this week. Um, One from John Parrish about the rapper Nas. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, Softer S, like Nas. Nas. It's voiced. The S is voiced. Like okay. So, which which um, this shows my level of hip hop. Whenever I um, whenever I kept seeing the word Nas, 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 Nas on the uh, on the article, I kept thinking of um, network. Oh God, what's the name of it? Network area storage. <laughs> yeah, me, a, me an, an information <laughs> technology term. Oh, network okay. area storage. Yeah, because I'm that kind of a because I'm that kind of a, of a guy. Um, so we had we had that for John. We had uh, Fenzel's uh, 10 Easiest Things That Dance Tunes Command of You, and most a lot of those uh, dance songs, I guess, you know, fell into the hip-hop genre. And then Sheely's uh, second Kanye post uh, in, in, in recent weeks, the second post on Kanye West in recent weeks, uh, which he kind of, you know, um, after, you know, first, I guess, giving Kanye a little well-deserved flack for... Um, inappropriately referencing RoboCop in one of his songs comes back and uh, gives him some love. Shouts that gives 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 an appropriate shout out for for the Kanye West and his uh, and his lyrical mastery. Well, so, I mean, mastery is a bit strong, but I've been. I mean, it's it was after getting some real uh, some real internet vitriol from some of the the commenters. Um, you know, I went back to my favorite Kanye songs. I mean, I've been kind of a, f- a fan of Kanye as a rapper since uh, his first single, singles were uh, were appearing in 2003-2004 when the college dropout dropped. And I've, I've um, you know, throughout the last four albums that have come out over uh, in the intervening years, I've sort of enjoyed each one um, and and still get a sub- substantial amount of uh, replay value from a number of the songs and both of the last two albums, both uh, Graduation and 808s and Heartbreak Breaks are still in relatively regular uh, rotation in my iTunes. So in other so, words, you've liked Kanye West before, during, and after he was cool? Um, before is a little iffy. I mean, like, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know, my taste... I, uh, as much as I like to say that I like things before they were cool, I'm kind of like the canary in the coal mine of coolness. And once I start liking something, it's about to blow up in, in, in about about three weeks or so. Um, 
You mean like die, or you mean like become more popular? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Meaning that it won't be cool anymore. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to get back to Kanye in a second. I can pretty much hear John Parrott just, you know, boiling inside, and he's just he's bottling up. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. That, that's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. That, is, that is the sound the of The sound rage. of the police, I think, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So what what I want to what I want to talk about on this the sound of the, of the police should have pulled over. Get back to your risotto, damn it! <laughs> he got <laughs> those dark shades on, but he looked like Stevie Wonder. See, are you not making a hip hop reference that even I don't get? That's from uh, that's from Eclectic Two Sides to a Book by Wyclef Jean. That is that is a hip hop reference, which which even I don't get. Okay. That, there's 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 someone who's even whiter than 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 the whitey white white rather on this podcast. Wow. Um, anyway, so well, the first thing I want to want to talk about is um, on the subject of hip hop. So for um, for reasons I won't get into, a lot of the the people that are on this podcast were at uh, karaoke last night, and we were um, you know throwing down our favorite hip hop songs as we were wont to do. And just to give an example of this. Um, there were at least two songs referencing strippers and going to strip clubs, which um, I don't think I'm making a too broad of a generalization here when I say that the writers of Overthinking are not the types of guys that often go to strip clubs. Fair? I, I certainly don't enjoy them very much. Okay. I don't like it when people pretend to be my friends for money. That's, <laughs> that's why I work on the internets and on your website, where I don't get paid a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> So let me. So so when I, so what I what I want to contrast this is I guess you know our for lack of a better word somewhat ironic appreciation and um, reappropriation of those songs versus their perhaps earnest creation as produced by people who um, earnestly and actually do like to go to strip clubs and get lap dances. I'm gonna put that out there and see what the panel has to think about that irony versus earnest in hip hop. In general, and the just with regards to strippers, is this just stripper-related hip hop? I, I think I think strip hop. I believe is the <laughs> Just speak. Just because she dances go-go, that don't make her a hoe. No, all right. No, There's some very fine distinctions. Maxine, put your red shoes on. <laughs> We're going to the disco. I'm busy, Wyclef. I'm watching my p- programs. Jeez, <laughs> I'm watching my, my stories. <laughs> 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 All right. So, um, so I, I, when I say irony versus earnesty, and I use the, the strip club as merely one example of that, right? Where I think a lot of hip hop. Uh, right, like none of us has ever, to my knowledge, shot and killed anyone. Exactly. Um, or, but, you know, done incredibly misogynistic things to, to women. Well, perhaps so, some of us have done only slightly misogynistic things to women, but to the level <laughs> of, of many of the hip hop songs that we listen to, um, we haven't quite done that. So, um, what I would say is that right there's an ironic appreciation of a lot of these very unsavory elements of hip hop, um, which is a totally different way of approaching the very earnest manner in which they were produced. Well, first off, uh, if I can, a lot of a lot of the hip hop that we as podcasters grew up with, came out of, you know, the, the early 90s, the late mm-hmm. 80s, you know, the mid-90s, you know, the whole, you know, Snoop, Dre, Biggie, Nas, Wu-Tang, Jay-Z, etc., uh, which, which sort of sprang out of the, a, a lot of factors, but, you know, primarily the crack epidemic and the, you know, and, you know, black urban culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, 
and yet that that hip hop is immensely more popular or is listened to by immensely more people than you know actually dealt or consumed crack during that time. So, <laughs> so I mean, you could still advance the argument that it's it's ironic, maybe, but. Like, you know, if, if I'm if I'm taking the mic in karaoke and talking about, you know, stacking the rocks and selling the rocks, that is, of course, ironic. I have, I've never stacked nor sold rocks of any form. But, but I mean, it's, it's no more ironic than, you know, the millions upon millions of people who, who consume hip-hop commercially today. So, short, short answer and, and sum up is, is we're no worse than the rest of folks. Um, can we make a distinction here between irony and fantasy? Um, are those because those are those don't sound like the same things? I don't want to get bogged down in semantics again because God forbid we have <laughs> not down. on this podcast. No, I think that's, I think semantics are important. Uh, actually, let's 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 get bogged down. Let's bring on the right, bog. considering we're talking <laughs> about semantics. Considering we're talking about music and literature, you know, I mean, considering yeah, we're considering yeah. lyrics as literature. God, Matt, you are so pretentious. I am not pretending. I am actually this uptight. Hey, don't you have a risotto to get back to? <laughs> oh, yeah, and you have to stir it constantly. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, so I think that it's not sufficient to say that just because these are things that we don't do or want to do, that that means there must be something ironic about us uh, listening to songs that are about them. I mean, when I was a kid, I listened to love songs when I didn't love anybody. Uh, and they're the long That's, that's different. That, that, that represents kind of a, you know, when you're young, you don't fully comprehend or understand these things. Like, I've never, I've never wanted it that way, but I still will listen to the Backstreet Boys. I've never wanted to zig a zig ah, and I'll still listen to the Spice Girls uh, all the time, man. I never saw the sign. My mind remains closed. <laughs> <laughs> but let me give a counterexample. Do you, do you want another baby? Yeah. <laughs> let me give, let me give a counterexample here, and um, and and rather, I apologize for my um, butchering of the English language and using the word earnesty. I think earnestness is the noun form of of being earnest. Is that correct? Me too. I think that also earnestness. Okay, let me give you an example of the earnest appropriation of music um, to contrast this with you know the the ironic appropriation of you know rapping you know a white person rapping about slinging rocks. Okay, basically picture this: you're in a Bruce Springsteen concert. All right, you know, ten thousand people are singing "Born to Run" at the top of their lungs. And, you know, fist pumping in the air and just, you know, overtake. Yes, but some of them may be wheelchair bound and they're singing along to Born to Run. That's ironic. <laughs> Most of those people took the escalator to their seats rather than walk up the stairs. They're not. Damn you and your wittiness. You're getting no, no. My, my serious point here for a second. Let me just close this up here. And then, close okay, it up I, and then I have a counterpoint for okay, you. So. Okay. <laughs> the the earnestness with which a, a lot of. You know, Bruce Springsteen fans are singing that, right? And that they, you know, are internalizing and sharing the sentiment of the song, and that they are born to run and trying to bust out of something and become free, right? There's that, yeah. that there's that earnest sentiment there, which is not the same when you have um, us, you know, the people on this on this podcast, um, 
you know, doing make it rain at karaoke. Okay, let me let me come back to this. Mark, Mark, last night at karaoke, you sang Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Um, you know, do you have an earnest uh, desire to be a bloodthirsty gambler? And is that desire any more uh, earnest than my desire to have so much money that I can just throw it around like I don't care? Um, like I like I mean I, I think you're correct. You are you are correct. Right? We have different similar... fantasies that we live out in our karaoke, and um, and I think that we you know. I, I think that, um, granted, I did a seductive dance with an umbrella during Make It Rain, and, <laughs> I mean, that was for laughs, but, like, I think, we, you know, our reasons for choosing that song, uh, or for choosing O3 Bonnie and Clyde, or Laugh Dance by, um, by Nerd, uh, by N-E-R-D, were n- very, not that different from your choice of, of classic rock and, and heavy metal songs. Well, okay, there's a, clearly a big difference between the fantasy you're proposing Born to Run versus the fantasy you're proposing the Ace of Spades. Right. Sure. So I guess we're, we're, there's a distinction we're making now between negative fantasies and positive fantasies. What is there really a difference between the fantasies in Born to Run and the fantasies in Ace of Spades? Yeah, because I well, I mean, I in, yeah. in 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 the subject of the fantasy, yes, but in the in the sense of you know escapism and some idealized id in which you know oh I'm a young rebel tied down to nothing and you know with unlimited freedom in Born to Run or you know, oh, I'm a, a rich media superstar who who can spend money frivolously, as in as in make it rain or uh, lap dances, or you know, I mean, there's differences in subject, but I mean, is is that do we really want to get into to moralization of of what are fantastic impulses anyway? I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to go there. Brian, <laughs> I, I guess no. I mean, no. I mean, I, I, I guess not that we don't want to go there. I just don't think like would. I don't think there is a. I mean, as I've indicated in my encountering to Mark, uh, if we are drawing a moral a moralization of it, uh, it's not necessarily as as cut and dry as proposed. Um, or maybe we don't want to go there. So, so what's the question here right now? I'm a little bit confused. The, the question, well, I guess, the question I'm 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 asking here, or what, yeah. what thing I'm trying to understand, is, you know, when, you know, when we kind of, no, when when we when right. folks like us, you know, try to appreciate something, you know, have a, get enjoyment out of rap hip hop songs about you know, seem unsavory behavior. Right. right. Well, no, let's, go, let's, let's, let's go and bring out like the elephant in the room here. I mean, okay, there, there's okay, like yeah. there's a racial element here, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and we should talk. I think you're being that. racially normative, Mark, and I resent the implication that as a white person, I'm somehow incapable of understanding black music in the way that I'm capable of understanding white music. I, I resent the implication. I'm coming out with that right now, and I'm accusing you of being racially normative. Well, uh, uh, I guess. Yeah, because I mean, you were also. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna possibly. I can't quite read Pete's tone of voice, but I will point out that you you were referring to the behaviors in rap music as unsavory, and I'll just leave it at that. Not all rap. Clear. Okay. <laughs> Look, we didn't even have to get to the Kanye debate. Oh, yeah, <laughs> fucking, wow, we're uh, all calling we're, each other racist. That's a great <laughs> podcast. Hey, shut up, racist. <laughs> hey, look, I just I'm, this is part of the coup to get you back in control of the podcast, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, every no, once no. in a while, a podcast. Right, we're burning the conversational <laughs> Reichstag. Um. <laughs> There's a okay, racial so element. A racial elephant. There's a racial elephant in the room. <laughs> 
Okay, well, okay, fine. Let's. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bite then, right? Okay, what I'm talking about specifically, my example is the strip club thing. Okay. Right. Tell right. me, tell me how how this implies like a, a racially normative uh, thing going on here. Why this? Why this? So why Ryan dancing with an umbrella? Is racially normative? Well, why? Why it isn't appropriate? Okay, so you're, we're making a distinction between people who do go to strip clubs and people who don't go to strip clubs, and we're saying that we don't go to strip clubs because we're savory people, which is not true. We don't go to strip clubs because we're cowards and we're scared of our, our girlfriends and generally are uncomfortable there, yeah, and actually are like not comfortable with the, the, the naked female. Yeah, <laughs> speak for your also, damn. Yes, yeah, speak to go to for the kinds of strip clubs that are maybe pleasant. <laughs> Speak for your, <laughs> speak for your we, damn I, self, I, guys. Yeah. Well, also, Matt, you probably look like strip clubs just fine, right, Matt? I I got no problem with strip clubs. The hardworking yeah. dancers at the strip clubs uh, they work hard to take my money. It is an efficient they, yeah. it is an efficient machine for separating me from my money. And uh, <laughs> I'm just saying the educational system needs funding. But <laughs> no, 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 um, no. But I'm, I'm saying that. Um, we are trying to set up the, the dichotomy between people who listen to Born to Run and people who listen to other things. I mean, Born to Run is about fantasy behavior. Um, the strip club songs, I guess the dance, well, the, really the stuff about the strip clubs is more heteronormative than, than racially normative, right? Like the reason that Ryan, Ryan does the, the, the strip club dance and why it's funny mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. you don't expect your dude friend to be like doing the stripper dance. But when you're drunk in karaoke, the world is upside down. It's all carnivalesque and stuff, right? right. So I don't know. That's my take on it. But to push back on the race thing, and I, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily mark, ne- mean to to say that you were implying that there was a like that your 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 approach to the the puzzle or the paradox of us doing uh, hip hop karaoke uh, was itself racist. But I think why one tends to say uh, view this oh this is ironic is you know. As a middle schooler, and for probably the first, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so that I listened to hip-hop music, I was, you know, implicitly, or I was uh, to some extent aware that maybe this music wasn't for me, or wasn't, you know, made, made for me, and I was, you know would kind of laugh off and you know i would like hip-hop but you know i really listened to to rock and roll and you know i would hip-hop i would i would listen to hip-hop or quote a hip-hop lyric you know as a joke and with like kind of quotation marks or with a wink um and you know in this ironic way but as um you know, I listened to music more and dug deeper into hip hop history. I found more and more um, artists that, like, actually, you know, really made me think. Made me think about um, issues of race and class in America. Made you know, entertained me, made me dance. And you know, I think that I'd be you know invested in enjoying the music more. That you know, uh, sure, making rain isn't my uh, favorite hip hop. It, it doesn't crack probably the top um, 100 of of, of favorite hip-hop songs but i still don't think that i i think i don't know it's it's hard to say that we're getting up there just in a in a wink and nod way that is any less than the wink and nod that comes with singing any other song at karaoke it's just a different set of juxtapositions and 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 reverse meanings um so i don't know that's that's my take on on all of it yeah i just wish the listeners there i wish you all could have seen ryan Sheila dancing with that umbrella <laughs> it, was a, it was a sight. It was it was quite a sight. 
We need to go to a live karaoke bar video podcast format. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and oh. we would all lose our jobs. I know. Yeah, I hope we would release that out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, all right. I, I give up. Then I guess I've kind of boxed myself in some sort of corner here. Where? Oh, come on! You know, come that, on! That, You're cracking under the pressure. We're just we're just. Well, <laughs> oh, Mark, why don't you God. listen to hip hop very much? <laughs> Are you lame? <laughs> or is no, it is it because as an un, as an Asian you can't understand African American music? <laughs> Perhaps yes. Much much as African Americans are able to unable, unable to understand Asian music, right? Yeah. No. no man. Yeah. They they try to listen to uh, uh, Jay Chow and they just they just can't wrap their mind around his sweet songs. Yeah. No. I I think I. I think I. This is a little bit of a digression here, but I just want to throw this out there. Probably just to oh, get digressions. The, probably, oh. Yeah, probably just to get the heat off myself a little, and get out of the corner that I box myself into. Um, I was, um, I was. I think I might have actually mentioned this to one of you guys yesterday. Is that um, you know going back to the, the race issue though and, and music, right? You know, you'll often hear, you know, someone say that oh, you know that you know there's something unusual about a white guy rapping. Or a white man singing the blues. Right, right, right. No one would ever say the reverse about, you know, a black kid playing Mozart, for example. I, right? I think or a black that's person false. Singing, singing opera. I mean, people would say that it's unusual to see a black opera singer. I mean, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean in, in, this, in the sense that, to, to get away from music for a second, like the, the conceit of the not-that-great-movie Finding Forrester was, was how atypical it was for a... a black kid from the from a an urban environment to have this this amazing writing talent so i mean right. people if people recognize it as atypical if not i think i think we might be sh- we might be shying away from the word unusual because we don't want to say it's weird like oh my god it's not right because no there's nothing wrong with it but it's 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 not what we ex- it's not what the culture tells us to expect yeah but is that i yeah. mean is there a different amount of you know would would finding forrester I guess it would have been a different movie, but would it have been a different movie if it were... Would the point have been intrinsically different if it were, like, Goodwill Hunting? Like, is there anything more weird than about a, uh, a young black kid who, from a disadvantaged background uh, having an amazing writing talent than a young white kid from a disadvantaged background having an amazing mathematics talent? Or Eight Mile, a white kid from a disadvantaged uh, background having an amazing rapping talent, which was kind or, of like the reverse yeah. Finding Forrester, right? <laughs> and or also Meatballs Three, where there's water skiing talent involved that you wouldn't expect a disadvantaged. <laughs> Boy, he has to perform the big trick to save the camp or some bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. Let, let me let me get back to my uh, to my. <laughs> white kid in the blue slash white kid rap and then a kid Mozart example. And, um, I think one of the the distinctions that people make, um, you know, if, if, or or rather one of the, uh, the the kind of the, the, the unspoken things behind that are that, um, blues and hip hop are far more expressive, um, types of art where opera and playing Mozart, um, on the violin are things more of a, of a, for lack of a better word, a technical, Type thing, which don't demand as much, you know, um, you know, spontaneous creativity. For lack of a I, I think you're crazy. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking about spontaneous creativity. There's a okay. Reading sheet on Mark Lee podcast. Like. <laughs> okay, tell me, hey, Mark, what do you think about this? Wrong. Tell me, 
Tell me that reading Mozart off of sheet music and playing that on a violin is uh, is equivalent to uh, you know doing a blues imp- improvised blues solo. Well, they're equivalent in that they're both things I can't do. <laughs> Mark, I'm, I'm going I'm to back you up on this one. Uh, I mean, Mo- Mozart, the, the work of, of Mozart, since he's apparently our, our whipping horse for, uh, for stuff that's, that's soulless and technical. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I meant to imply, though. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's your meaning. I'm running with it. <laughs> I like how people are taking my meanings and running with them in very different directions. <laughs> so, Go ahead. The, the thing with Mozart is, I mean, it is it is creative and it is evocative, but there's not really like there's not really a message like an important moral message to the magic flute, for instance. Whereas hip hop and blues and to a certain extent jazz have very have always very much been about the message in the lyrics. Like you know, this is this is me telling you how the world really is, how the world is where I grew up. You know, the things I. You know the things I think about, the things I I desire and fear, etc. Whereas you know the magic flute is a story. You know it has it has a story arc. It's it's very much like you know it's very much like uh, like any fairy tale in that it's creatively done, but it's not it's not trying to impart something something deep or personal. Yeah, because fairy tales don't have messages. They don't have uh, moral messages. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The messages don't go in the woods, but I mean, something a little deeper than that, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can certainly say that about certain pieces of Mozart, particularly if they're pieces of Mozart where you don't listen to any lyrics. But I think once you start going into opera, I think you have to say that they do have messages. They are descriptive of the cultures that they're living in. They're actually quite similar to hip-hop in their intent and in their role in society when they're being made, right? They're ostentatious shows that are being made for, like, uh, outside of the mainstream. They're kind of frowned upon by the the fancy elite people, and, like, they're they're, like ways of performing and and talking about the passions and the feelings that real people have as opposed to the things that the clerics were saying it was okay to think and talk about so um, and, and this and this may be true pete but uh but i think the question is as much you know how do we appreciate mozart today oh like so if, you're talking about like people who listen to classical music um as you understand them by and large like sort of an approximation so you're right. not talking about like Mozart thought when he was doing Mozart, or even like what you might want to do or aspire to do, but you're talking about how the crowd at a blues concert is generally going to be more into it than the crowd at the Met, because the crowd at the Met doesn't know what to listen for and, and is just sort of sitting there with their thumbs right. in their pockets. Now, now of okay. course, 300 years in the future, when we're listening to, you know, the the Novo Metropolis, you know, boys choir reproducing uh, Ready to Die in, their, in its entirety. <laughs> the audience then may be, you know, sitting there very stilly, not unwrapping their hard candies, you know, consulting the programs quietly and be like, oh, yes, very interesting. And, you know, polite applause at the end. Uh, similar to that, but, but in, in the contemporary audience, you know, hip-hop and blues are... are well, I mean, not to, not to reiterate the same point, but yeah, they're, they're designed to evoke uh, a more specific uh, message than uh, than Mozart is currently. Although I, as as you say, Pete, there there is some depth there, and I think that I think that's to the loss of to the yeah to the loss of Mozart. Mm. So you guys are thinking about the creators and the audiences and kind of how audiences perceive these works. I was going back to my original point. It was a little bit more approaching at this from the performance, the performer's perspective. Right. right. So, but you and you were saying that people who perform opera aren't emotional people, 
and like aren't expressive. Like, that singing an opera song is less expressive than than rapping. <laughs> you are not you are not giving this poor guy a break, are you? <laughs> You're a big bully, no- Pete Fenz. Oh, that's what I'm you sorry. are. I'm being, a, I'm being, I'm being, a, I'm being a bad man here, and I apologize. If, if you want to leave flames, I encourage everyone listening to the podcast now to say a horrible thing about me in the comments. <laughs> Put it out there, and I will not mute them. I will just smile and nod. So this is the beat up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm serious. Seriously, that's that's to everybody. So uh, put Pre- it on preferably there. with exclamation exclamation points mixed with the num- number one, because <laughs> that is the sign of a of a well thought out internet comment. If I've learned anything on the internet over these last right. two years, um, all right. I, I've got I've got a, t- a timer running for this. I'm going to shut up for the next t- three minutes, so you can talk <laughs> all you want, and I won't say anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I will second the no, 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 because you're carrying a lot of the weight here. So uh, please, please don't do that. Okay. Who shot you? Who shot you? Yeah. Uh, what? Okay. Let me just take okay. this. Let me just take this one last uh, time to try to clarify what it is that I'm that I'm talking about here in this you know Mozart versus the blues uh, thing here. And you know, I guess what I'm getting at now is moving, I guess, away from the racial the racial. You know, subtext behind all these things and more just the, the musical reality behind both of these. Right? Which is that when you get down to it, you know, playing classical music, um, it's, you know, singing opera, whatever, you know, these kinds of, you know, reproducing um, set texts, set music that has been written before, right? I'm not making a judgment value on this. It's just very different from picking up a mic, freestyling. Right. And trying to express, you know, my, you know, my rough life growing up in the suburbs of Alabama or picking up a guitar and doing a wailing blues solo about, you know, that expresses the sorrow of my rough youth in Alabama. That's why Very all, different all pop music is novelty music in a way. Now, what do you mean by that? Either? <laughs> I think all pop music is really just a version. I think Weird Al is the type of pop music, you know. Continue. I was just, tra- I was just trying to. I was you just guys trying miss to- me, don't you? You miss me in Silver Park. I was just trying to. So, it feels so empty without you. I was just trying to goad Ryan, you know, I don't know. Uh. That, sorry, but Mark, you're saying that because they're novel, because it, it's an effort to make a new thing to express a. Uh, to make a new thing to express some kind of emotion or thought or experience or something. Yeah. Versus, versus the effort to recreate uh, something that's already been, been written down and use that to express something else. That there are different kinds of expression. Yeah, and that, you know, there's not a lot of room for devi- deviation from the set. Um, you know, Chopin piano score that is laid out in front of you on the piano. I mean, obviously, you know, what the mark of a, of a excellent pianist is how well he or she, you know, interprets and delivers that. But, you know, there is, you know, a sense of you're going to be going out of bounds if you essentially, like, you know, make up your own middle, middle movement to that piano sonata. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think that there there are differences, but again, I mean, are you, um, do you think there's, 
a, you know, one is better art than the other? What, do you think one is art and one is not, not to open that whole uh, rabbit hole or not? But, um, you know, do you think that there's a normative distinction uh, between these two? I think whichever uh, one, one I think whichever one uh, motivates a network of nonprofit organizations to spring up that gets a great deal of funding. I think that that's the better art. <laughs> because it indicates that the that the um, the free market itself won't support it, and that that rich the people, is basically low quality. <laughs> yeah, low quality. right. Art is. Di- <laughs> I was listening to an interview, a radio interview, the other day with a producer of the Russell Crowe newspaper movie. I forget what it's called. Oh, State of Play. Right. And, yeah, uh, yes, that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, he was like, you know, you guys have to go out to these smart adult movies if you want us to keep making them. And he got all indignant and uh, <laughs> self righteous about how we have to, how like it's our duty to go out and see these movies that no one really enjoys and. <laughs> no one thinks are, are very good. So, well, yeah, no, maybe it's like, well, I, I don't know if that particular movie uh, was good, but the radio show is a show about the movie business, and the larger point was about this kind of like, is there room for a smart a smart thriller that's not sort of a summer temple popcorn movie and is not either a uh, very cynical prestige picture about, you know, Nazis, right? Uh, that's just supposed to be Oscar bait. Is there room for a, a movie that is, that is solid entertainment, but also has a brain in its head? Now, I, I didn't see State of Play. I know you did, Pete. I don't, but I don't know if, if it was a solid movie with a brain in its head. But, you know, the, um, this producer's thing was like, well, uh, you know, if you want these movies to survive, you have to go out. You, you people have to, you know, vote with your wallets and, and go out and see them. And I, you know, I love that because that's like, you know, that's how the free market works, isn't it? That we all do what we think we ought to do uh, with our wallets. And then, you know, certain genres of movie can survive. And thank God. For the record, I saw State of Play and I thought it, it just tucked its belt above average. Hmm. So that's fair. So, there's a take, take that, producer. Yeah, I would argue just as much that if the producer wants there to be smart movies, then he should make ones that people want to go watch. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, you're, you're the guy who makes the movies, dude. I just don't go see them if they're crap, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. Or, you, know, often, not- you know what? I very often don't go see them if they're good either. Uh, how you like that, huh? Suck on that, Hollywood. <laughs> Booyah! I don't think it's... I- it's a common scapegoat to say that people don't see a movie because they don't get it or because it's too complicated. There's a lot of reasons people don't see but movies. This, a lot you know, of this, this, this was in response. This was uh, yeah. spurred on to the idea that, like, you know, the better art is that which is less commercially successful. Uh, right, Or, right. you know, which, which has less of a chance of surviving in the free market. Anyway. And Pluto Nash is the best movie ever made. <laughs> 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 the man on the moon. <laughs> he refused uh, to compromise his vision. He really did. He, even in the face of mounting delays and horrible cost overruns and a total lack of any interest in the market to see his movie. Um, so hip hop. Hip hop. Let's just bring it. I think we had we had a, we had a great dis- discursion there into um, you know a lot of different issues on you know race and. Uh, uh, Art and yeah, and hey, you know who talks about race and art? 
Kanye West. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> that guy who does that song where he got in the car accident and he drinks Insure and makes the syrup or something? Because that guy's awesome. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, I, I, I think that is good. Do you think that is? I, I actually, you know, that wasn't. It's not like my favorite Kanye lyric. Um, but as as someone who's has uh, family members who have had to use those products for various uh, uh, medical reasons, um, yeah. I actually really liked that shout out because um, it was a sort of detail that that comes of not being able to eat through your mouth in a very competent way. Um, so I think that that is, I think that that type of attention to detail is an example of what Kanye West does well. The, sure, I, I, I will. I will agree with you that you know attention to detail is is let's say often lacking in many forms of our popular culture. Um, so it seems like we have arrived at the point of our podcast where it's time to have the much touted. Um, highly anticipated pro Kanye, anti Kanye throwdown is it not. Yeah. Well, I've been laying my my bit my you know I've been saying my piece of you know sporadically throughout the podcast, so I think it's on it's on uh, on John now. What, why don't you like Kanye West? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> okay. let's listen to that total. He's just like, oh, let, let me let me tell you why. <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. So. Um, Sheely, I mean, your your contention, as I understand, is that is that Kanye is you know talented lyrically and and, and speaks with with authenticity on his subjects. Uh, I, I feel like I'm being baited here. <laughs> I, I, I promise you, I'm not. I promise you, there's not a hidden gotcha here. Yes, that is one of the contentions, and that's the con- more or less the contention I was making in the post earlier this week. Okay, I agree with that. So. Uh, so short short version, that that's true. I mean, he is he has some degree he has some degree of lyrical cleverness. Where I think he fails is his flow is not as good as as other more critically acclaimed rappers, and he's he's clever. He he's got breadth but not depth. As far as I can tell, like he can he can he can speak to a lot of different subjects sort of cleverly, but he can't really. He can't really dive. He can't really dive in any one subject to the degree that, you know, your your more talented, more talented rappers like your your Karis ones, your Immortal Techniques, your Nas's, your uh, your Jizzas, uh, etc. Can. I don't think I'll disagree with that. Actually, um, you know, it's so maybe this is a. Maybe this throwdown sucks. Yeah, it was kind of like when Kanye and 50s albums dropped on the same day. I'm going to keep insulting Mark. I mean, this is Mark's fault, actually. We're building it on. Mark's fault for over We we did not set him up for this at all. No, no. No, I know. John and I were just like, listen, hey, you want to talk about Kanye? Yeah, I think this could be a great conversation. Then Mark comes along and rebrands it as some. Conflict. I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to bait the listeners so that they listen to the you know the the 15 minute advertisement we have for Insure at the end of this podcast <laughs> because we just you know signed up. I'm so excited about that. I'm so glad that I, we wrote that script. Well, it's, yeah, it's based on the results of the podcast survey, right? We, we, we found out that our listeners are generally um, you know people with uh, uh, surgical uh, impediments to swallowing. Is that one of our strongest demographics. Yeah, Apparently, really. there's a there's an orderly who leaves our podcast on in rooms that the patients can't move to turn it off, and they make up a large portion of our demographic. 
thing. <laughs> they mostly are. Right, that's right. The orderly then goes and fills out the podcast survey for each of those patients. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love this. I love, I love doing voluntary things, like listening to your podcast. <laughs> okay, getting back to Kanye here. So, getting back to so, oh uh, yeah, just 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 one last thing on Kanye. I mean, I, he's he's not my favorite, but I could not, in good conscience, say he he sucks without reserving worse adjectives for people like. Uh, Soldier Boy and Lil Wayne and whoa 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 whoa! All right, here we go. Here we go. I knew that. I knew oh, that man. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I think we just inadvertently backed ourselves into a, a, a throwdown. Um, so, what's, what, what, so what's your issue with Lil Wayne? So I actually think I feel more strongly about Lil Wayne than Kanye in some ways. Like I really enjoy Lil Wayne. I'm I'm sorry, man, but and and this is this is going to be a recurring thing for me, but I I do not get Lil Wayne's flow at all. It's this weird sort of stilted, mm. stuttering, slurred, you know, all the all the complaints that fifty year old white men have about hip hop, I have about Lil Wayne. Like I, I just and, and I, I agree, and that's why I like him. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, I think this. But, but this, what is what is the content that you like? Like it, it's it's like what it, what is there to be liked about it? I've I've act, actually been asking friends of mine this for months. Like, justify this love of Lil Wayne to me because people are like, no, 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 it's great. Listen to this, and they give me they give me a track like like Lollipop or even some of his earlier mixtape shit, and it is it is just nonsense to me. Help me help um, me out, internet. Well, I mean, I guess this is the thing is like when I'm not also listening to uh, Lil Wayne, I listen to bands like uh, Gang Gang Dance, Acceptor, and uh, These Are Powers, which are all kind of experimental noise bands uh, from largely from Brooklyn. Um, and so maybe I like my music uh, incomprehensible and uh, and 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 non sequitory. I mean, I think, but no, I think that. I, I'm going to answer your question by not answering it, or maybe I'm going to just not answer your question and change the subject. But I think that <laughs> something, um, something that this this reveals is something I've been thinking about um, after you wrote your your post on uh, Illmatic, uh, and you know, using the metric uh, of of evaluating uh, a, a poetry or a rap songs, um, the the sort of perfectness, uh, the perfect metric uh, of what, what what were the two? Um, it's it's uh, the, uh, Merit of subject on one axis and right. skill in technique on the other. Right, and I think that I think something that's coming out in this is you know, and I, maybe this is an earth shattering, but like you know, if like if you we had the, just, even just the two of us, you know, take, go through you know a hundred different hip hop albums or songs or artists on both of these metrics, we'd probably come up there'd be I, there'd be probably substantial uh, differences, and that both I think um, assessment of both merit and even possibly technique uh, include incorporates a huge amount of, of subjectivity and uh, is ultimately based on uh, I guess some template of what constitutes good flow or good um, you know good worthy subject matter um, and so that could like explain ultimately a lot of our differences on Kanye on Lil Wayne of you know it's what we're looking for in the hip hop in the hip hop song. All right, Ryan. Now I'm, I'm coming after you now, Ryan, because that's all right. <laughs> you're saying that the main difference that you're saying the main reason why you guys disagree might be because the thing that you're talking about is entirely subjective. You said, right? 
And you're saying that like, um, yes. things like flow. So you're saying that measures of technique in particular are That's subjective. Okay, well, well, I don't, well, no, okay. So, so let's, let me <laughs> say this. What, can we then discuss what are the relative merits of different systems for, for talking about technique? Because one of the things mm-hmm. I have been yeah, I think you're a right. lot of, of rigor or precision in how we're actually talking about the technique that these rappers use, um, you know, in the way that they formulate their words and the way that they interpret what they do. So maybe the problem is that um, not that, oh, my God, it's so subjective. Maybe yeah. it's more that we haven't done the legwork to actually talk about why we like these guys or not like them. You know, maybe we can go back to the post we did a couple months ago about Little Lane where we were talking about, I mean, you did this post yourself, right? We yeah, yeah, yeah. Different figures of speeches that he uses and mm-hmm. like talked about Kenning, you know, Kennings and how they work in rap. Right. Um, we had that list of, of rap Kennings going in the comments thread. It's still going. It's, it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's still out there. It's slowly growing. It's slow. I mean, I would personally say I think Little Wayne, technically speaking, is really excellent um, um, because he, he has a lot of, of um, different sort of metrical and syntactical constructions that he weaves into his song. <laughs> It seemed pretty effortless when he comes out with them, and the and the the lyrics do do seem to uh, to com- use complexity to convey like some elegant expression. Um, he isn't. I, I I often have problems with the concept of flow as a, an aesthetic value because I don't really know what it means. Well, um, I think so that maybe, may be what I was getting at too. Is that and maybe it's not that it's subjective per se, but that um, I think there isn't. I mean, and maybe. You know, maybe uh, there are writers on hip hop and 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 different uh, you know authorities on that, but I think that um, you know something like like flow could be you know operationalized, and we you know you could uh, go like like you said be a bit more rigorous in the definitions, but like as we have not been, and sort of the broad we as people who uh, you know try to speak about uh, hip hop in a in a somewhat way, um, I think people use these same uh, terms in different ways, and so that you know somebody might say one one person might say that Lil Wayne has good flow, and one person might say he has like awful flow, um, and you know those judgments are lead them to one person saying that Lil Wayne is a great rapper, and one saying that he's a shitty rapper, um, right. and you know. Both of both of those those people may be internally consistent, right? They um, and so I, you know, I guess I guess we have work ahead of us. If, if I can if I can offer a if I can offer at least my definition of flow, like what I say when I mean flow, so we can at least apply it to this conversation. Uh, I, I guess the closest equivalent would be meter. If we were talking about poetry mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. or, uh, or classical theater, so you know Shakespeare would have would have hella good good flow and uh and it's it's in this it's in this sense that i don't really i'm not i don't really get little wayne because mm-hmm. all this all the songs i've heard of his have you know these these stops and starts in them these these weird syllabic pauses that don't uh and i mean i i, I don't mind that if it's if it's done for what i think is an artistic purpose but i i don't I don't get why he does it there other than he can't think of a word that would fit better. But wouldn't you say that, like, I mean, I think Biggie has a lot of very interesting and difficult, um, and as someone who's tried to do karaoke to a number of different Notorious B.I.G. songs, like, has actually, um, 
you know, a very rhythmically complex, uh, like sort of syntactic and metrical breaks, and yet, like, um, you know, and and he is like like recognized as one of the sort of you know godfathers of flow, and it's sort of like you know, after after Rakim is sort of like you know was it was the sort of uh, progenitor of sort of flowing rap rather than you know yelling over a beat. You know, Biggie is was is is kind of was is recognized as a perfection of that, right? Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. I, so I, I I see what he does as as distinct from what Lil Wayne does. Are you saying they're similar? Um, I I would say that that Lil Wayne is, and this was to a, a certain extent a. Um, you know, I, I, I would I would say that they are similar. I think Lil Wayne uh, does different things with it. I think that it it, it sort of uh, intersects with his lyrics, uh, uh, with his lyricism, and that his his sort of connections between words, um, and and between sort of um, um, bars are are he he kind of travels greater ground whereas like you know um biggie biggie had a lot more narrative raps and he had a lot more things that uh, like were uh the, the sort of thematic links between lines were much much closer to, whereas i think uh lil wayne uses this uh um uh, in in conjunction with a different array of, of figures of speech so i think that I, I i would say it's similar i say there's like a missing link in there that's probably um probably jay-z uh <laughs> like if you had to draw a line, um, and if you're looking at some kind of evolutionary or sort of a like a, a kind of a, 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 a type of sort of like influence type of uh, model of understanding that, but I mean, I will actually defer. I've not really studied poetry. You know, I think that it, it, I think certainly um, it makes sense to deploy poetic tools to study hip hop, and I, I don't. Um, you know, uh, I took the the classes the the sort of um, distributional requirements, the classes necessary to fulfill the distributional requirements, but uh, compared to a number of people on this podcast, like, don't have the technical training in that, and so um, would actually be interested in learning more about, like, how useful it is to to deploy these tools in analyzing hip-hop, or whether it's necessary to sort of use other uh, analytic tools or or develop new ways of of, of talking about this. Deploy poetical tools. <laughs> poetical <laughs> tools. <laughs> Deployed. Matt, okay. rather, why do you have to be such a poetical tool? <laughs> That's <laughs> and, and okay. Pretentious one at that. <laughs> at least, uh, at least you're not calling me pretentious. I'm happy to be called a poetical tool. I think that's a pretty uh-huh. apt description of what I am. So, so the so the podcast doesn't boil down to just one particular rapper we're arguing about, but about hip hop in general. I will, I will. Although we can still talk about Lil Wayne, I will put this challenge out to the podcast listeners. You know, to the many, many thousands on the internet who listen to us, post in the comments of this podcast the Lil Wayne songs that, that are going to change my opinion of Lil Wayne, the ones that are going to turn me on and be like, all right, yeah, I see what this guy's all about now. Post, post those songs in the comments. I will, I will acquire them through, uh, through means, and uh, I will listen to them, and either next week or the next time I'm on the podcast, I will, I will deliver my judgment. And don't forget to post your insults of me on there as well. <laughs> uh, well I'm going to post the song where Lil Wayne insult, insults Pete. It's, it's yeah. really awesome. Like, Lil Wayne's a diss track on Pete Senzel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really never, I never should have cut him in line at the Ponderosa that one time. That was really unpleasant, unpleasant for him because he didn't get his made, make your own Sunday fast enough. <laughs> 
Okay. He, he had a hell of a time rhyming Fenzel with anything, though. So I, I sure showed him. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that line about running you over in his Benzo that I thought worked. <laughs> <laughs> he gonna be greener, greener with envy than Adina Menzel. Yeah, there you go. No, anyone go. played the Wicked Witch of the is. West and Wicked. Yeah. Yep. She's green. She's the one celebrity whose name, last name rhymes with my last name. See, that's what I like. Rather, I appreciate that. That's why, you know, when the other rappers we talked about, you know, rap about sling and rock, you and other things that, you know, that they can identify with. Matt, you, you rap about, what you, about you, what you can identify with. Exactly. Well, the other rappers <laughs> rapping about sling and rock, I'm rapping what's going on in the Broadway box. <laughs> no. We pretty much hit on the worst possible concept for a rapper, uh, a rap possible. You just call what is is your rap name? Spirit fingers? Is that what <laughs> jazz hands. DJ Jazz hands. <laughs> I think I think that's a, I think that's a racially normative. Right yeah, MC Spirit fingers and DJ Jazz hands. If you spell with a Z, yeah, that makes it even more racist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the okay. good stuff right there. <laughs> okay, I think Swanee, we have... how I love you, how I love you. <laughs> that musical theater is not expressive. I hate how unexpressive it is. Oh, but... <laughs> They're just singing stuff other people wrote. <laughs> wow, okay, I think we're... I almost went blue. We're... Crap. <laughs> We're, we're gonna have to. We're no, have to the inmates are taking over the asylum. Resist Mark's <laughs> effort to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna filibuster the end of the podcast. <laughs> 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 we can't do it because our inspector has changed sides because of the Matrix. We can't filibuster. Oh. Uh oh. Guys, remember, we, we have a 15 minute long uh, infomercial on insurance. I'm in the business of podcast. Hey, listen, if you can't eat, insure is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then 14 minutes of silence. <laughs> okay, so not just silence, the sound of silence. breathing. Like after this podcast is done, you just no. <laughs> like that. I don't know what that was, but I liked it. I think Darth Vader just joined the podcast. It's like a breathing exercise. <laughs> that wasn't intentional. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that was my that was the heavy breathing. There's just ensure if you can't eat it's awesome and then fifteen minutes of heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first proposition was fourteen part. minutes of silence, and then I guess somehow it became fifteen minutes of heavy heavy breathing. <laughs> Every time Matt calls somebody and there's silence, there's always heavy breathing. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> 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 I'm in the right, business of podcast. Before the heavy breathing starts to dominate the podcast here, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, thanks again to all the panelists who joined in on this discussion. Readers, listeners, be sure to weigh in what you think about everything that we said on the comments. Make some racially normative statements of your own there as well. Um, oh, yeah, that- please invite that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Great one. <laughs> Yeah, in addition to the comments, of course, you know, you how to reach us. Um, as you heard before, we do get the listener feedback and present it on the air. You can email us at podcasts at overthinkingit.com. You can call and leave a voicemail at 20EATLOG01. That's 203-285-6401. So please do let us know what you think, either in the comments, in the email, or via voicemail. And as always, don't forget to visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com. The site that subjects the populist culture and ensure to a level of scrutiny it, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. What one?